Podcast Rebellion Hangover Edition. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Perry. Joining me, as always, Nicholas Carr, Benjamin Woodhouse. Gentlemen, it was as nerve-wracking, as heart-burning, as stroke-inducing as it possibly could have been. Uh, I actually had my first uh, acid reflux flare-up in probably the first, like, nine months. Um, But the Rebels got the win. Is all that matters. 59-42, and they covered um, to improve to three and four overall. South Carolina two and five. And some semi-breaking news before we hit the record button. Per Bruce Feldman, the Gamecocks have parted ways with Will Muschamp. So real quick before we jump into the game, first name that jumps to your mind, who do you think they go for? Hoovers. Oh, God. I mean that's a num- that's a name that sticks out, man. I hate to even say it. I think this has uh, coach, Billy coach. Napier. I think Billy Napier written all over it. Coastal. I can see. You that. know he's Coastal Chadwell is his name. Is it Chad Chadwell? Coastal Chadwell. Chad oh. <laughs> Chadwell. <It's> Jamie Chadwell. <laughs> Chad Chadwell. <laughs> that's the most Myrtle Beach name ever. Um, Jamie yeah, I mean, Chadwell. He's he's done a fantastic job, and he spells it super Myrtle too. J A M E Y. Um, <laughs> holy hell! Where is his wife from? His wife's name is Somals. That is a crazy name. Somals Zarine. Imagine having to spell that when you're like in second grade. Um, anyway, I, he's a hot name because Coastal is. Uh, Undefeated, but I would be hesitant to hire him just because of recruiting. Yeah, can he put together an elite staff to recruit? I think Napier can just because of the credentials and the bona fides on his resume being at Alabama. Um, I think if you're Billy Napier Carolina, right now, you're, you're kind of like, man, I'm like two years ahead of schedule. Carolina kind of likes to go after name coaches too. I mean, they had Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier in our lifetime. So – Maybe they go after the older guy. They seem to have success with that. I would go yeah, I Billy Napier. I mean, I'd give him a call. I mean, the, I'm just looking through their schedule at it. I feel like I hadn't heard a ton about them. It's because they lost earlier in the year to, to Coastal before they could kind of get their feet off the ground. And since then, they've won four games in a row. So, you know, they beat Iowa State, if y'all remember, but way back at the beginning of the season. They're 7-1. and one. And, I mean, at this point, he's done it. Yeah, he's done it three years in a row. So, man, I, I, I do like Sark. for Napier. I do like the idea of Sark. Um, we talked about it in our group text um, a couple weeks ago when I randomly did a deep dive into Washington's Wikipedia and just how average to below average they were before Sark. I mean, they had, I think his name was Don James, the guy that was there like forever, won the national title in the 90s. He was there for so long. Outside of him and then one good year with New Heisel, uh, they were very, very, very average to bad before Sark. And Sark actually, I think, won seven games in his first year after they were just absolutely abysmal with, um, oh, what was his name? Uh, Ty Willingham. So Sark's done the, you know, the quote-unquote rehab gig at Bama. Their offense is probably the only offense that comes close to Ole Miss right now. Um, it's pretty much them in Florida, what, in my opinion. What about... What about Josh Heupel down at Central Florida? Uh, this is second year, is that right? Or third year? I think it's his third. I don't hate it. Again, I just 
it brings me back to can the staff be elite? Can they recruit? Because you got to remember the the you know nine hundred thousand pound elephant in the room in that state with Clemson. You got to be able to compete. So I like Napier a lot. I, I think that he <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, but excellent call on his part to pass on state and. um I think he's kind of out there waiting now. So we'll see. Um, that'll kind of start to unfold this week. Uh, all jokes aside, I, I hate it for uh, for Coach Boom. I like Will Muschamp. Um, it's a tough job there, like I said, with Clemson there. You're having to recruit against Clemson in-state, and then you're also having to recruit against Georgia a lot, Tennessee a lot. Um a weird, it's a weird gig there, but I think you know people have shown you can you can win big there. So a uh, big opportunity for, who, for whoever takes over. He's probably, you know, a victim of Clemson's success. I mean, not to say that he's done exceptionally well over there, but I don't know if they're where they are, you know, if, if, if Clemson isn't where they are. In the same way that last year, I don't think that, you know, MSU fires their coach and hires least if we don't hire Kiffin. I mean, he was kind of a, a – Moorhead was kind of a victim of us hiring Kiffin. I just think the South Carolina, it's got to be eating them alive. I mean, you know, especially when they're not even your conference. So you, you do get to play them every year, but it's not like, oh, well, you know, Bama will go off and beat them or something. They're, you just kind of have to watch idly as they run through the ACC and there's nothing you can do about it. Even if you beat them at the end of the year, it probably still wouldn't keep them out of the, you know, the college football playoff. So and that's just, yeah, you know, a time and place issue with Muschamp there. Right. The strange thing to me was – you know, he hasn't won a lot there. He's had some big wins. They've upset Georgia um, a couple times. He still recruited well. Uh, they were able to land some big in-state guys that Clemson wanted, and he won a lot of recruiting battles. They recruited well at the quarterback position. Helensky, I think, is obviously going through a sophomore slump of some kind. Um, they were able to commit Colton Gauthier. I mean, time will tell if he remains committed since Muschamp is gone, and I would imagine that... Um, the offensive coordinator that I'm just losing my mind. I'm drawing a complete blank. Uh, Bobo, Mike Bobo. Is he going to stay? Who knows? I I highly doubt a new staff will retain him. Mike Bobo's in the past, man. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, they're not creative enough. They don't have the talent level to do what they're doing. Mike Bobo can exist in an Alabama or Georgia uh, program, but in a program like South Carolina, it's just going to be very hard for them to maintain success running the type of offense that they're running. I mean, they're they're huddling us like watching teams in the 1960s play. Now they had a lot of success against Ole Miss. I'm not saying, and and I think Mike Bobo is a good coach. I just don't think that's a good fit. Um, yeah. I don't know. At the same this is, time, this is a good this is a good segue to talk to go into the game because I thought Mike Bobo panicked on Saturday. Uh, when I agree, when, when almost, the game, I, I, I want to say one thing. Okay, I never think that it's the right time to fire a coach in the middle of the season. I mean, is Ray Tanner still the athletic director? Mm. I mean, it may not be unless it may not be for much longer. Nut, unless it's Houston, not bad. Like losing by thirty at Vanderbilt, and you're going to go two and ten. I just don't know why you fire him now, and I, I, I don't, I don't know why you would fire Muschamp after the Ole Miss game when Ole Miss is probably top five offense in college football, 
and South Carolina is just kind of struggling. They're, it's not like they're the worst team I've ever seen play. It, their players have not quit. But firing him now, just let him finish in a COVID year, it's a weird look for me, man. That's just weird. I don't, I don't like the optics of it. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be different if Ole Miss won 59 to 20. seven. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean they they were in the game. I mean, that's, I mean they were they were leading with going into the fourth quarter almost before the ninety one yard touchdown pass. I believe they were up 42-38 in the fourth. Yep. Uh, or no, end of the third, I believe. I'm looking at the drive chart here, um, and then yeah, Ole Miss goes up forty five. 42 on the 91 yard bomb to Elijah Moore. Then South Carolina went five plays for 15 yards punt. Ole Miss goes eight plays, 80 yards, goes up 10. Then South Carolina went four plays, minus one yard turnover on downs. Ole Miss scores four plays, 24 yards, go up 59 42. Then South Carolina, 11 plays, 70 yards. They get into the red zone and they turn it over on downs. I. Yeah, talking about Mike Bobo, and then we'll jump into the game. I thought they completely panicked when Ole Miss went up by three, which was to me was just weird because at that point, I know Matt Corral was just playing out of his mind, but you have to just keep doing what got you there and just feed Kevin Harris because, I mean, I was telling Nick before we started, I mean, Kevin Harris is leading the SEC in rushing now because of this game. He did whatever he wanted running the football, and I think that it was weird to just put everything on on Colin Hill, and I just thought at least you run the football with Kevin Harris, you you kill some clock, and he had been just getting whatever he wanted. Uh, I mean, he wasn't getting touched until five or six yards down the field most of the night. I thought that was just a weird move on Bobo's part, and then Ole Miss, to their credit, took advantage, and then look, the defense might be a bend and bend and bend and bend, and bend, and then don't break. But look, they turned him over twice. Uh, or no, one time, right? The interception early. Yeah, one, one turnover. Now, hell, they had what seems like three or four chances for fumbles that were just you know near misses. But they got the pick early, capitalized, scored on it, and then they got sacks and they got stops. The secondary made plays at the end of the game. I... As weird as it is to say, now the defense, don't don't get it twisted. They're not good. They didn't play well. But when they needed it most, they were able to step up and make a play. So that's something that you can build on. I, I know you gave up 548 total yards, and Kevin Harris had a career day. But still, a win is a win. And I, I still think it's Jimmy's and Joe's. I know Ben probably disagrees. Nick, you might too. Uh, I, I don't think it's all Jimmy's and Joe's. I think it's probably a good 60-40, maybe 70-30 play calling to Jimmy's and Joe's. But I still think you got to recruit out of this issue. But, man, absolute tip of the cap. And then some to Matt Corral, 28 of 32, 513 yards. That's a school record and four touchdowns. They just abs- – Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy put on an absolute clinic on Saturday. Well, there's no question that you've got to recruit out of this. There's, I mean, yes, it is a Jimmy's and Joe's uh, issue partially. I, I actually don't disagree with your assessment. I think you could say 50-50, 60-40, 70-30. Either way, you've got to get 
better up front, especially, you know, I was we were talking about the dissecting the game last night afterwards uh, with some of my family members. And, you know, I was like, man, we get pushed downfield in zone blocking. That's like not even supposed to be a thing. And our, <laughs> our tackles are five and six yards downfield. And I, I don't think that they would argue with that. And you, you can't, that's what's, that's what we're watching. Um, but at the same time, I, the, the team we do not contain at all. And at some point you, you're either going to say, okay, well, our, you know, linebackers all run slower than five second forties, or even if they do, like you got to turn the guy back inside. Eventually we let so many people I get to the sideline. Look, I, I agree with playing inside out when you're faster than the opposing team, like the land sharks, man, Mike Hilton, those guys, Sedarius Bryant, they could, they could, they could, they didn't have to contain because they were going to beat the guy to the sideline. Anyway, they used the sideline as an extra defender. We're not fast enough to do that. I mean, we're mm-hmm. frankly, we're not, I, I, I will give them props. There was one play, in particular, and I think it was in that that five play, fifteen yard drive. Zach, they it was third down. South Carolina was going to run a receiver screen to the near side of the field to to the home sideline, and I don't know if it was Finley or I don't want to give anybody credit for it because I'm going to have to go back and see who jumped it. But they they sent this big tight end number nine in motion to our side, and they had run this play several times in the game, so we kind of knew what was coming. Well. When nine stopped, they snapped the ball, and quarterback raises up immediately, throw a, a bubble screen to whoever the receiver is out there. Let's say Shaw Smith, probably. And our DB jumped it before the ball even hit the quarterback's hands. So they had to, they had to kill it. I mean, he just had to take a sack. Um, so, anyway, I just I thought that we did make some big plays, and, and Kiffin talked about that in his press conference. But at the end of the day, until we start turning teams inside, we just don't have the speed to allow them to to pursue inside out, which I think when you are, like I said before, when you are fast is a very sound uh, a strategy because you're going to force them out of bounds before they can get to the edge. It, it, right now, we can't do that. It doesn't matter which running back it is. We just, we're just not fast enough to do it. And, and I don't know if that's because the linemen are getting pushed so far downfield that the offensive line is is getting in the way of our linebackers, or if our linebackers are just slow. I I, I don't know the the answer, but there's a definite lack of it's a, like you said, Zach. This is probably the best way to say it. It's just a kind of a lack of everything right now. It's a lack of you know you can't tell me that they're not being coached completely well otherwise i believe they'd be turning guys inside and and that's that's my untrained eyes looking at it there were several runs last night where this running back from south carolina especially going into the north end zone to the student side uh north east corner of the end zone where we just completely it's like we weren't even in the on the same field as him he was running by himself to the pylon it's like, man, you got to get somebody out there. Either we're outnumbered, which is a scheme, or we're not getting to the beating him to the edge, which which is either a scheme or an effort issue. So either way, well, <laughs> a lot's got to happen. Well, the twofold here. You, you said the word effort. I and, and Ben, you played football as well. 
I've always said that tackling is is purely effort. It is. It absolutely is. You can coach up technique. You can teach people how you want them to tackle. But at the end of the day, it's do you want to make tackle or or do you not? And I I think it was – if you watch the game, and I have to go back and look at it again, and Nick, you can chime in and tell me if I'm wrong here. Ben, you can too. I – I say Jimmy's and Joe's because I think there were a lot of times in that game where Ole Miss was there. Lakia Henry, Jock Jones, uh, John Haynes, and I'm not calling them out for any particular reason. I'm just naming guys that were on the defense that were around the football a lot. They were there. They just either weren't fast enough, took a poor angle, um, and a lot of that I think is just talent. I think it's just – I just don't think they have the dudes. I mean, we, we say that a lot. But I think that's true. And and look, if you want to do the whole, like, you, you got to fire DJ Durkin, whatever. I know the defense is just incredibly bad numbers-wise. They're giving up so much, so many yards every game. But like I said, at the end of the day, they were able. Now, it took them four quarters, but they made adjustments, and they got to stop when they needed it, and they won the football game. So it's... And I don't know if you can fix it in this recruiting class. It's going to take a couple of years to build some depth, some legitimate SEC depth. But that's that's my untrained eye analysis is I, they're in position, but they're just not there to make the play in time to where it's just they're not reading their keys fast enough and getting there or they're just not fast enough in general. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We were in position a lot of times, but – at some point, you know, it's game after game after game after game of like these guys having like a career day. And you, we talked beforehand about, um, you know, the running back from South Carolina. I, di- I didn't realize that he was actually a pretty good back. I think you said he was top five in the SEC coming into the game, which is higher than I would have expected. But now he's the number one back in the SEC from a, from a yards per game perspective after he played us. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, yeah. it's that after that after that. Every single time, I mean, Maybe we do just have like UT Martin defensive players. I mean, that's possible, but something tells me. I mean, they these had guys a UT were, Martin coach before this. <laughs> I mean, you're exactly right. You're or worse. I mean, <laughs> but we a lot of these guys were highly recruited by, or not maybe not highly recruited, but a lot of these guys were recruited by other SEC. I mean, they had other, at least Kentucky offers. Exactly, and when I look at at us, like every single person, every single team we play is having a breakout game. Like Kentucky's having their best rushing game of the season. Florida's throwing for their most passing yards in an SEC game ever. Alabama's throwing for their most passing yards. And on top of you know that, Najee Harris also scoring five touchdowns. It's like every single team they set a record, this or that. At some point, you what know did Kentucky run for over four hundred? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean heck, you know, it was the the second most Vanderbilt had scored all season. Technically, I know that that was, you know, we still be crap out of them. Still with us because all we've been is negative after a big win. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 it's it's okay. Get more positive before the end of the show. Just stick with it. It's sour and then sweet here, right? That's right. Sour Patch Kids podcast. Um, (laughs) So, last thing before we hit our break, and then we talk offense and and get to the good stuff. If you're Lane Kiffin, (laughs) and this might sound crazy, do you try to hire Will Muschamp as a analyst? I yes. mean, do they have any prior relationship? Are they coached together um, at all? No. No. No, they don't. But I mean, I mean, yeah, if he wants to come over here, yeah. 
I know, I know people want to say, well, he just gave up his team, just gave up 708 yards, but I, I mean, you're going up against the guy that you might work for. So, I mean, we just gave up like 600 something. Well, yeah, but look, it, <laughs> I mean, Kiffin and them have done this to everybody. So this isn't just, Oh, right. well, South Carolina's terrible. I mean, they did to Alabama. So, um, all right, we're, we're going to take our break. When we come back, we're going to we're going to touch on the offense and the career day that Corral had. Elijah Moore continues to just steamroll to AJ Brown's single season record, and uh, we'll talk about plenty of other stuff. So, hang tight. Quick word from the sponsors, and then we'll be back here. Podcast Rebellion Hangover Edition, South Carolina. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. 
It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Hewling Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Hewling Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Hewling Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Hangover Edition, South Carolina, Ole Miss 59, South Carolina 42. Uh, some people are now dubbing it as, well, Muschamp has been kiffened. Uh, he is no longer the head coach in Columbia. All right, Matt Corral sets the single game record passing yards. The only person legitimately close to him. Shea Patterson previously held the record at 489, but that was against UT Martin. Chad Kelly threw for 465 against Auburn. Uh if you want to call it legitimate because it's a conference game, Jordan Tiamu, 457 against Vandy. Uh, Archie, 436 against Alabama in 1969. And then other than that, Chad Kelly, 421 against Bama in 2016 in a loss. Um, Matt Corral, 513 yards against what I thought was a pretty decent South Carolina secondary. J.C. Horn has played really well all season. Uh, Amukamara has been playing really well. He was a little banged up, and I don't think he finished the game, but... It wasn't just a bunch of chumps over there. It's SEC defense, SEC players, and my God, Ben, you were there. Nick, were you there? I was there. Okay, y'all were both there. So in person, how incredible was it to watch? Uh, I mean, someone said earlier, they I mean, maybe one of y'all said that Elijah Moore is a damn good running back. Uh, Elijah Moore is the best player on the field every time he takes, you know, wherever he lines up, he's the best player out there, each position. He's the best player. If you were playing Alabama, I'm sorry. He, he's that good. I mean, man, he was great out of the backfield last night. He could be a running back if we wanted him to be. I, I just after last night, I came away. I think we had this talk earlier on the podcast, a couple, you know, a few weeks ago about where would he go in the NFL. If I'm an NFL team and, and I'm especially like a contender, if I'm sitting there at 27 or 28 in the draft and I'm, you know, maybe made it to the you know NFC Championship game or the you know NFC Wild Card round, and I need a playmaker. I go get Elijah Moore. He's unbelievable. That's big praise there. It I was, mean, I think, was, I think I think he's that. I think he's as, as good as Clyde Edwards Elaire, and that guy's making you know waves for the Chiefs this year. No, I I don't disagree with you. It was it was a really good game. It was fun to watch. Um, obviously, it was more fun in person than I'm sure it was on TV. Look, we didn't just have big touchdown plays. There were just a lot of long passing plays in general, and those are typically exciting. Um, Braylon Sanders caught one or two. I think he caught two. And I liked that the heads-up play that we made 
after the really long one, um, Ole Miss would have been going from left to right. I think it was about a 65-yard pass. I was trying to go back and do, do the um, – The one to Braylon? Yeah, to Braylon in the, over, over the middle of the field. You know, he caught two long ones, but this was the – I think this would have been the second one. We ran up to the play to the ball quickly and snapped it so they wouldn't review it to see if the ground caused any kind of fumble yeah. or anything or is it, incompletion. Is it the one he – full extension? Yes, and it could have almost been pass interference – the guy kind of so got too. on him pretty early. Um, so I I watched the highlights earlier today. Corral threw it from the twenty five, and then I believe it was uh, it was about a sixty yard throw. Yeah, sixty five, and it was a good ball. Hit him in stride. Couldn't have put it anywhere else. And uh, but anyway, it was a fun atmosphere. Excuse me, sorry, I had to I had to sneeze. Um, it was a fun atmosphere and. <laughs> Um, you know, th- there were kind of a lot of students there given, yeah, COVID. There were. you know, I, we had much smaller student crowds last year. Oh yeah. Without, co- I mean, much smaller. I bet there mm-hmm. were 5,000 students. Probably. Yeah. And, and I was on, it's also the, the last night was their last, you know, home game of the season that they'll be in town. And I think that they showed out. I also think that, I like starting college football later. I do too. I love this this time of year. I mean, hell, I was watching highlights of the Oregon Washington State game. You see how much snow they had shoved over to the side. Mm. I think that's. <laughs> I mean, I would much rather have football yeah. games in forty degree weather than four hundred. Yeah, I. So I. Talk, Ben, talking about the crowd, it, it kind of, and now I know the pandemic, so you can't and people need to be safe and all that. But the game last night was just such a bummer because I feel like the crowd would have been great in a non-pandemic season because oh, it was yeah. a huge, a huge opportunity for the program. It was a huge like swing game. I wouldn't say it was make or break because of obviously the the whole you know climate of the season and all that, but. Um, I mean, it was a game that I think Ole Miss really needed to win because now you got three games left. You have a chance to legitimately go five and five. Uh, who knows with A and M if if Kellamon's out? I mean, that's a wild card now. I mean, now Isaiah Spiller's probably going to run for four hundred yards, but can they stop Matt Corral? I mean, it, it's fun. I think the fans showing up, like you, Ben said, five thousand students. I think that's indicative of the offense and how exciting and fun it is. To where they know, like, it's going to be a shootout, but I mean. Look, I we said this a couple weeks ago. I'd rather have this kind of game than have a badass defense and no offense where you're just, you know, watching like a 12 to 7 game. All I could think about last night was, man, I wish we had a full crowd for this because it would have been it was a perfect night. It was about 66 degrees with a light breeze. It had been great weather all day yesterday. It was like a really really good I guess it was sort of warm for fall, but it was a really good fall day. And South Carolina and town team doesn't come here very often uh, against a team you felt like you could beat. And also you felt like you could get, build some momentum going to the rest of the season. That's all I could think about last night was, man, this would be awesome if the stadium was full. I just wish the stadium was full. It'd be so, and it, it was still a lot of fun, but it's going to be so much fun you know, next year whenever we can get the stadium full because that's, you put butts in seats, man. I mean, we watched us kick field goals from the one against LSU. That didn't do it. Like coming out, even if you lose a game like last night, it, it, you know, just that offense and that type of of quick play, you know, quick strike mentality. But also, 
you know, even when we were down 42-38, I was, I was concerned about us getting a stop. But I had no worries that we were going to go down and score again. And, and I hadn't had that in, in the last few years. And I felt good again to think, you know, it's okay. We got the ball back. That's what we want. You know, can we get a stop? I don't know. But, you know, we're absolutely going to go down and score. So right now, looking at the uh, conference stats, Matt Corral now leads the SEC in passing 2,359 uh, yards, 22 passing touchdowns. His QBR is 189.39. Um, he's averaging damn near 11 yards per attempt, completing 74%. So he's at 2,359 with three games left. Uh, he could easily catch Jevin Sneed, who threw for 2667 in 2008. Um, could catch Chad Kelly, who threw for 2758 in a shortened 2016 season. And I don't know if it's out of the realm of possibility for him to catch Eli, who threw for 2948 in 2001. Um, I don't know. Maybe what is he, he gets. At right now? He's at 20, uh, 2359. So he's averaging. With three games to go? Yeah. Oh, he's going to get he to 3,300 minimum. So, Bo threw for 33.46 in 2013, and then he threw for 31.94 in 2014. He could he could get to top five single season in 10 games. I mean, if that's not a, the Lane Kiffin effect, I don't know what it is. And Jeff Levy, too. Morse, Can't leave him out because he's Did Moore set the job. single season record last night? No, he is okay. 12 shy. Okay, right well, two things. And first of all, I, I thought that Glenn Waddle said he was the first Ole Miss player to go over 1,000, which maybe he meant the first in, in so few games. Okay, and that, and that's, why I, that's why I was like, well, he must be number one. But also, he's 12 yards away with three games left. You kidding me? And it's all against SEC competition. I mean, we were talking about yes. someone sent the stats of, of the last few Heisman winners, and they are talking about Joe Burrow, who was exceptional last year. But in the first seven games, they played Georgia Southern – Utah State, Northwestern State, and Vanderbilt. And now I know we've played Vanderbilt, who's pretty dead gum bad, and we've uh-huh. played some teams without great defenses. We haven't played a team as bad as Northwestern State, and we probably hadn't played a team as bad as Utah State. So, you know, maybe Georgia Southern could beat Kentucky or something like that, but these are SEC teams, and he's 12 shy of the record with three games left and in a shortened season. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy, man, and I'm and I'm trying to find the uh, the numbers here because the uh, what is the account? Uh, Ole Miss Uniform Archives tweeted it out earlier. Um, here it is. Okay, through through the first seven games, Corral um, seventy four completion percentage, close to twenty four hundred yards, twenty two touchdowns. Burrow in twenty nineteen with non con. 79% completion, 24-84, 29 touchdowns. That's insane. Uh, Kyler Murray in 2018, 72% completion, 1977 and 25. And then Baker Mayfield in 2017, 73% completion percentage, 23-47 and 19. Now they had uh, those guys. So Burrow had three picks. Kyler had three picks. Baker had two picks. So we know about Corral. With the, he has nine Six came in a you know an anomaly is what it looks like against Arkansas. Um, we were talking about this earlier. If he has just a good game, he could probably even have been average and just not turn the ball over a bunch against Arkansas. 
And if Ole Miss wins that game, he could be in the, you know, others receiving votes for the Heisman right now. Yeah, I think there's no question. I mean, that that Arkansas game, six of them, one was at the very end, but, you know, in, in garbage time, essentially. It was a bad game. I mean, you know, got into a hornet's nest up there, but past that, I mean, he has been so good. And I, I guess you could, I guess you could tell me, oh, he hadn't played in an elite defense. But at some point, every defense can't just be bad. You know, I mean, you're not going to play ten Ohio States every week. Mm-hmm. You know, ten Iowa defenses. You're gonna, you're gonna face, you know, up and down. But everyone can't be bad. Maybe Florida's down a little bit, and maybe Bama's down a little bit. But it's still a Bama defense. It's still a Florida defense full of a bunch of five stars. It's still an Auburn defense full of a bunch of five stars. So perhaps they're just, quote, down because they played us. I mean, you know, because we we put up a ton of yards on each of those teams. Well, that's what I was going to say was you can't really dismiss what he's done because he's done this against Bama. He did it against Florida. Um now he's done it against South Carolina, who, you know, not a great defense, but again, SEC caliber players. Um, I think a- another big test next week against AM, who's had a really good defense all year. They're a top five team. I mean, it's a free shot. I mean, it's the absolute, just exact definition of a free shot. Nobody's going to expect you to win. You're going to be a heavy underdog. It's. It, I'm excited, and I think that this is where like a coach like Kiffin and Jeff Levy, when they're coaching offense, this is where they're going to thrive to where this is, hey, we're going to just let it all hang out. Nobody expects us to win. Nobody expects us to do this against a top-five team. Let's go ahead and do it. They've already done it twice against Bama and Florida. So who says they can't, you know, the old, the age-old, you know, why not us type thing. Um so I do want to say this before I forget. Uh, Elijah Moore is cruising to an SEC receiving yards title right now. He's at 1,054. Uh, the closest guy to him is Devontae Smith <laughs> at 759. I think it's ridiculous. Elijah Moore should win the Bolitnikoff. It's not even Is close. there anyone else up there nationally? Uh, let's see. Probably, I think there was a dude yeah, from UCF that's up there. Um, let us take a gander. Uh, while I'm looking, Matt Corral is now fifth in the country in passing yards. The uh, NCAA's football site is so bad. Receiving yards, Elijah Moore is now first in the country. Yeah. The guy... Uh, Marlon Williams from UCF is second, 942 and eight touchdowns. Uh, right now, it looks like the only person with more touchdown catches. Terrace Marshall at LSU has nine. Jalen Darden at North Texas has 10. Elijah Moore has eight right now. Um, so, yeah, really close to breaking AJ's single season record. Um, the re- single season receiving yards record. 1320 by AJ. He's, he's probably going to break that. Uh, just remarkable what he's done. I mean, coming off the fake P, everybody was mad and then everybody wasn't because Matt Luke got fired and most of the people knew that that was the reason why he got fired, which you know, I think all three of us are in that camp of like, thank God he did. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, going from that to what he's doing now, I mean, the dude is arguably one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Both he, all you said he's how many behind AJ? I thought you said he was 12 off the season, single season record. Catches. 12, 12 receptions okay, for so breaking he, it. Receiving yards, he's at 1,054. AJ had yeah, 13, over 12 games. Don't forget that. So, right. So he's 200 and change from breaking the single season receiving yards yeah. record. He already holds the single game record against Vandy a couple weeks ago. Um, and then on Saturday, he's now. <laughs> okay, hold on. The top five single game receiving yards records uh, for Ole Miss uh, for program history. Elijah Moore has one, three, and four. He's got to be up there in the SEC, too. I mean, all time single games. This is the first time somebody's ever gone for two twenty five plus in consecutive games in conference history. Yeah. Two twenty five against South Carolina, two twenty seven against Florida, and then um two sixty eight or whatever it was against Vandy. Whatever the number was. Two thirty eight. Yeah. So just just bonkers. Um another thing I need to mention before I forget, Kenny Yaboa, five hundred and nine yards receiving. Uh I mean, come on. If you're a tight end, you're you want to play in this offense. It's it's silly. Um, and then running the football, Jerry Neely quietly had another great game. He's fourth in the conference in rushing, eight rushing touchdowns. He's just so slippery. Uh, it, it's something where those types of backs, you know, they're not big, but they're just they're slippery enough to where you never really get a clean shot on them. He's just he runs that stretch play about as good as anybody since Dexter. Um, and then hell. Nick, Ben, I think both of y'all mentioned it. Elijah looked good running the football as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – it's 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 crazy to see what this offense has been able to do in, in you know, year one, year zero, whatever you want to call it. Um, I believe – let's take a look. Ole Miss is still leading the SEC in rushing. Um, 212 yards a game, 4.4, uh, about four and a half yards a touch. Running the football, seventeen rushing touchdowns. We, we already it's need to figure out crazy something next year from a wide receiver perspective. If if more happens to leave, you know we're I don't want to say we're devoid of talent. I think we have the talent out there, just no one's shown it yet. So you know, I, and I'm sure that they're well aware of that. But if we have to go find a JUCO guy or something, because I don't think that Drummond is the answer. Um, I, you know, Braylon Sanders is. I think he he'll have another season left, obviously, but. I mean, I don't think he's the answer. So, yeah, I mean, we got to go find someone else, pass more, because as, as great as he's been, he's probably masked uh, a wide receiving core that's maybe a little bit underperforming. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think I said it during the game that somebody has to do something early in the game, and then I, I don't know if Dontario Drummond and – Braylon Sanders' ears were ringing, but uh, they stepped up. Jonathan Mingo wasn't available because of injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Drummond had a touchdown catch. Braylon Sanders obviously went off, had a couple huge catches. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, they use Ely out of the backfield a lot. They move Elijah Moore around a ton. So, I mean, this – Ole Miss is three and four, but, I mean, this offense is an absolute problem. I yeah, mean, Nick, the three – Go ahead, Zach. 
well, I was just going to say the three games left, like they're winnable mm-hmm. because the offense is just so damn good. Well, like Nick, your point's taken that the, I guess in theory, the receivers have underperformed some of them, but I mean, it's really hard to, to, I guess, be, I mean, you're looking for things at that point. Oh, absolutely. If you're saying that the receivers are, because you got the, you know, the offense is so good. And that's not me being argumentative with you. It's it's more to how well Ole Miss has played. I mean, you lead the SEC in rushing. You've got the best quarterback in the conference. You've got the best receiver in the conference. You've got the second best tight end in the SEC. You've got, you know, a really good offensive line. And, and so, like, there's – if you want to say that Ole Miss could improve somewhere, I guess you could say that Ole Miss could – maybe spread the ball more to other playmakers. I I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're really grasping at straws. I'm saying anybody is. Um, anyway. I, I'm glad you mentioned that Ben, because the offensive line has just been tremendous. They've gotten better every week. Um, huge shuffle not, at the beginning of the year. They're not necessarily old. No. I mean, no, I mean, you've got Caleb Warren out there playing, uh, I mean, Nick Broker's going to be gone. He's going to go to the NFL. And is he a junior? Look, uh, no, he's a senior, I believe. I think. Oh, what? I was sitting there thinking he was a sophomore. Wow. Maybe well, somebody needs to fact check me. But he got invited to the Senior Bowl. He already said he's gone. <laughs> he's probably um, he's probably a senior. Royce. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Um. So, yeah, Nick Caleb Berger Warren. Is a sophomore. He was a 2019 freshman All-American. Am I thinking of yeah. Royce Newman yeah, then? I'm thinking of Royce Newman. Newman. He's the one with the mullet. That's right. Sorry, my bad, my bad. I was like, my Nick Broker's a singer? I feel like we just <laughs> him. Yeah, he was the one that Ohio yeah, State tried to snag. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so big ups to Randy Clements and the O-line because, I mean, like you can only do so much with uh, really good running backs. you got to have some guys up front to pave the way. They were great. Uh you mentioned Broker. He was absolutely just embarrassing people in that game on Saturday. He was mowing people down. Uh, ben Brown is now coming into his own as a center. Uh, he looks so much better than he did in the first couple weeks. Um, on the other side, you know, Royce Newman's played well at the right tackle spot. And then the guards have been shuffling around a bit. But, I mean, they've, they've, they've been well. Jalen Cunningham's played a little bit. Caleb Warren's played in there. you got Reese McIntyre that's been in and out. I mean, Clements has done a fantastic job. You've got to tip your cap to him. If we're tipping our cap all around for the offense, you've got to give a shout out to the the, the big uglies up front. So uh, last thing here, guys, anything else from, from Saturday that you want to mention uh, before we close up shop here? No, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think every game is winnable from here on. I, A&M obviously less so than the other two, but Ole Miss should be – staring at at least a five and five and uh, you know year one under kiffin and that is that is just spectacular considering what we've been watching the last three or four years yeah i i, I hate that i mean i don't want to spoil anything but we probably are not going to play the texas a&m game this next weekend so i'm already you know looking forward to or i'm already disappointed about that but past that man we i don't want to say they're just winnable we absolutely should beat MSU. We should beat the brakes off of MSU. I mean, that offense, even if that mm-hmm. offense is good. That's a name your that's a yeah, name that, your yeah, score game. Even if they score fifty, we should score sixty. We should cover in that game. We really should. And that LSU team's a team we should beat. So 
it's not just that they're winnable. It's that it's two games that I think we're probably favorites in. I mean, well, I don't know about LSU, but it, we're definitely going to be favorites against MSU, and, and it, it's not going to be a large spread against LSU. So, I mean, you finish the season three and one, and, no. you know, I think anyone would take that. The state line will be like 16 and a half. It really, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I Look, guys, before we go, I'll say this. I say you name your score in the Egg Bowl. You might be able to name your score in the Magnolia Bowl. Yeah. LSU's yeah. kind of floundering right now. Miles Brennan's out for the year, so they're playing a true freshman at quarterback. Now, Ole Miss's defense is nothing to write home about at all. But can LSU stop the stop this offense? I mean, shit, look what State did to them. I think we have to – we just have to know that nobody's really going to stop the offense. We may have a game where we turn the ball over a bunch, but there's yeah, not a – you know, Florida and Alabama didn't. LSU's not going to. No. All right, that's going to do it for the Hangover Edition. Again, apologies for being a little tardy, but we still got it to you. Uh, Ole Miss gets the victory over South Carolina, 59-42, improved to 3-4. and four. As of recording this, it still looks like Ole Miss A&M is happening next week. That's in College Station, 2.30 on CBS. Should be a big game. So you get uh, you get Gary and... Uh, and Brad, so it'll be uh, it'll be prime, you know, not prime time, but I mean it's big time national television game on CBS. That's your chance to uh, get on the national stage once again and, and prove your worth. Uh, they did it earlier this year against Bama. You get another shot in College Station against, uh, I, I believe, could potentially be without Kellamon there due to contact tracing, but we'll see. Uh, we'll have more uh, later on this week. We'll have uh, our picks episode coming to you later this week and uh, much more on the site at redcuprebellion.com. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. We appreciate the sponsors. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Nick for joining me. With that, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion, the Hangover Edition. Thanks again. We out. <laughs>